Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Dave Pedigo joins us from Indianapolis, where he is, for the past two years, the CEO of Oralex Acoustics. You may be more familiar with Dave from his 14 years as Director of Emerging Technologies at Cedia, or if you're Facebook friends, his passion for Wordle. Ah. Who doesn't have a passion for Wordle these days, right? Correct. (laughs) Dave and I have known each other for a long time, having lived in the same metro area for probably the past 15 years and crossing paths at hardware stores and industry events and connecting for articles that we've been working on. Um, But with his relatively new role at Oralex, I wanted to chat today about acoustics and acoustical products. But per usual on this podcast, I also want to dive into Dave's life and career and how he got to where he is today. Dave Pedigo, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, you and I have uh, had a couple of podcasts together in prior years when we were on Resi Week um, for AV Nation, but uh, first time on on this one. So I uh, wanted to do it the Residential Tech Talks way and start maybe just kind of walking through how you got into tech and going back even to childhood. Were you always kind of a tech um, kid growing up or not into a, taking stuff apart? or Not at all. Not okay. even... Not even an ounce. So uh, I know you can't tell by uh, looking at me on Facebook these days, but I used to be relatively athletic and trim. And I have seen pictures. Yeah, you're you're sports was my life. I grew up in sports, and if I wasn't doing sports, I was doing woodworking. Those were those were my uh, my interests, and I I actually always had a a really strong interest in politics and history, Um, and so I went to college and. my degree is actually in social science and secondary education. So uh, my favorite person in the world, not other than my wife and children, is my aunt. And she is a, uh, a retired speech pathologist. And she got me into the teaching world. Yeah. So, um, so I went and taught uh, at-risk youth for five years for kids who've been expelled for minor behavior all the way up to attempted murder, rape, those kind of things out in Baltimore. Wow. Okay. And... Uh, you know, after, uh, you know, five years of teaching, I just realized that I wasn't going to be able to support a family on um, on a teacher's salary, unfortunately. But so I, I went to work for uh, my dad's company. So uh, I like to say he didn't get me the job, but he opened the door for me to interview. They had a, a technical trainer position open. And I'm like, I don't know anything about technology at all. Um, I know about history and politics and social science and uh, adult education and or, or not adult education, just education in general. And I got there and I was like a fish to water. So when I, I went to Hughes Network Systems, which uh, was a company that launched the satellites for direct TV, owned the satellites, actually at, at some point in time uh, were acquired by uh, Direct TV. Actually, I got laid off like three weeks later after Direct TV bought them, but it was it was instantaneous. They, didn't, they needed a trainer, and they're like, "Well, can you figure out how to, um, uh, it, you know, can you figure out a technical topic?" And so uh, I, I I learned basic uh, IP. Uh, I taught myself IP and just said, "Okay, well, I'll teach this." It got me the job, 
And um, so then for a couple of years, uh, I was a technical trainer at, at Hughes teaching uh, at a call center, mostly creating content and teaching for call center agents for troubleshooting for technology. Okay. When I get laid off serendipitously, I, um, I found a job for SBCA, which is a satellite broadcasting and communications association. And they had a, a, um, a position open for their certification and education position. And I, I was lucky enough to get that. And, uh, it was another just absorb like a sponge. And, uh, we went from, you know, it's like 800, 900 students who'd been certified. And in three years, we had 38,000 people certified. So I ran through all of their certification, residential, commercial. We overhauled it, streamlined it. And then I, I just happened to teach a class at, um, at CEDIA. And uh, Margaret Sheehan saw me teaching. And, and she was like, hey, if you're interested in the position, I'd, I'd love for you to, to come work for us. And I was going to. And then my dad got critically ill and my my um, my father-in-law actually got um, cancer and he died. And so we put it off a year. And then I just was like, man, I can't have a five hour a day commute. I went to Cedia. I was their, um, uh, you know, um, director of technical training to start. And then a couple of years later, had opportunity to interview for I didn't get it interview for the. Uh, technology position. And then I, I ultimately left CD as the vice president of emerging technologies. And uh, it was amazing um, because I really did not come from a technical background. Yeah. I'm not an audiophile. Like I don't sit there mm -hmm. and uh, I have hearing loss in both ears. I actually was that close to, to joining the Navy, but they, they failed me because I don't have amazing hearing, mm -hmm. um, which ironically enough, acoustics is more important for me uh, because I can't understand when there's a lot of reverb around because mm -hmm. my, my ears are so bad. But um, I just, you know, for a lot of people are like trying to find their way or whatever. And uh, I had no idea that I was going to do this until I was like 27 years old. I, technology was not a part of my life at all until then, other than playing video games. You know, Right. Well, so, it goes to show that you're maybe a good teacher and a very good student to learn all that stuff on the fly. Cause, uh, that's a, that's a crazy, um, process of getting kind of the technical chops on the, on the job, essentially. Well, um, I know I, how that is. <laughs> I will put it this way that, uh, I used my house as a Guinea pig for yeah. a long time, but, um, so I was blessed with a lot of content had already been created at Cedia as an example. Mm -hmm. And I just, Vague, this is going to make me sound uh, not the most manly person in the world, but like uh, I'd be tired because I'd do something all day. I'd go, I'd take a bath and I'd have training manuals. And I just even in the bathtub or sitting on the toilet, reading it and, and it's and it's never stopped. And uh, so for anybody who's listening to this, there is a, um, a report done by the World Economic Forum. This is probably three or four years ago. They do it every year called the Future of Jobs. But they talked about how everything is changing and those who want to be successful, you have to become a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what I would say is I enjoy learning. Uh, I'm a self-professed nerd and anybody can do this. What we do is not rocket science. Yeah, um, There are hard things. I could never be a programmer ever, ever. 
which is ironic because my dad was a programmer for years. Mm -hmm. But in general, it's just, you know, I, I think we, we pigeonhole people too quickly as to what career they're going to do because you don't know what you're going to be good at and you don't know what you're going to really love until you get a little bit older, for sure. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that what I hear from you and something I think of myself is the is not to fear that opportunity or something new. Yeah. Um, that seems to get in the way for so many people because you look at a job opportunity and, and you just like have a cold sweat, like, no, 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 like I, I, that's that's way over my head or I, I don't know enough about that. And I mean, how many things do we not know about until we get into it or we do the research? So you, All right, you clearly well, show it. you can do that. So I'm going to tell you a quick story because you're so right. So a friend of mine, I'm not going to name her name, but she took and she, you know, her, I'll tell you offline who she is. Um, and she switched jobs. She was in the CD industry, stepped away for a couple of years, and then she took a new job. And um, she calls me two days later after she started her new job. And it's like, I need you to walk me off a cliff because <laughs> I think I've taken the wrong job. And it's because, She's scared or um, lack of confidence. And this is the most competent woman I've maybe ever met in my entire life. Hmm. And it's like, listen, it's always going to be scary. It's always going to be hard. I mean, being a CEO, I, I'll tell you, it's it's very scary on a very on, on a daily basis. But um, if you don't feel a little pain, it doesn't mean you're you're not growing either. So uh, my advice to her was give it 90 days, give it 120 days and then reevaluate and see how you are. But those pains that you're feeling are also because you're a perfectionist and you want to do things perfect right out of the bat. And ultimately, your expectations of what you need to do versus what your employer's expectations, because I know the level you are, are probably not the same. So take a deep breath, realize that you're growing and you're going to be super successful. Well, uh, I want to continue our conversation about your Cedia years because I know there's some probably some great stories and and uh, lessons there to still cover before we start talking about uh, yeah. the, your current role at Oralux. Um, but first, we're going to take a short break. Founded in 2005 by a team of highly skilled audio veterans, Wet Sounds is an award-winning Texas-based marine audio company bringing a level of performance, style, and durability unparalleled in the audio industry. Wet Sounds is proud to introduce you to the Venue Series 110-volt, 1200-watt four-channel amplifier system. The VS1200 amplifier was specifically designed to power Venue Series products while utilizing a 110-volt power source. Included is the VSLSENC, a purpose-built landscape enclosure designed to house the Wet Sounds VS1200 amp with a plug-and-play media center in harsh outdoor environments. Learn more, visit wetsounds.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Oralex Acoustics CEO, Dave Pedigo. Dave, I wanted to dive a little bit further into your CDA years and um, yeah. maybe just give me, I'll, I'll leave it really open-ended. What's what are some of your your best memories of, of being there? Uh, I know probably a lot of the people you worked with are, are, are the great things that you remember because I, I know so many great folks that you were colleagues with there. Um, but anything jump out at you or things that you're proud of from, from sure. your time there? Well, the first thing I would say is uh, the volunteers and the staff members are lifelong friends. And um, 
it, it, for those who are not uh, members of CDN, they'll understand the membership or why you join. It's it's the peer to peer that's the most uh, mind blowing for me. It's just amazing. Um, you know, uh, it, you know, uh, accomplishments. That's kind of hard. The CDN um, Future Tech Pavilion that we did for three years was really really cool. And now that I'm able to look back at it, like. Uh, eight, nine, 10 years ago. And we can see the technology that we actually showed there that is now coming to fruition. Uh, I will tell you, it's really hard to do. I wound up in the uh, in the emergency room with pneumonia twice after wow. uh, putting those on. It was, it was tough. Um, uh, it, it, uh, I started the CEDIA Technology Council. I, as I said, I, I um, had to uh, apply for and uh, you know, interview against very uh, talented individuals. And um, so it's still running, you know, 10, 12 years later. So we started the standards to actually, I guess it's 15 years later, 2007. So the standards that they're working now, now uh, I guess CD just got ANSI accredited. Yep. Uh, the documents that we put together, the CEB 22, CEB 23 on home theater audio design, home theater video design that have really, truly been um, amazing. And and I can't say that I take credit for that. I was part of it. I, I was the, the staff lead, but it's all the brilliant minds behind me that did it. And um, so and, and just uh, the state of the education is just amazing. And it's it's amazing where they're they're going. It's, it was a it was an amazing ride. And um, all of it was absolutely built on the backs of the volunteers and the staff members behind me. So, well, I I will give you credit when at a certain point in time, I would go to say an HTSA meeting or um, ASEAN, one of the buying groups, and you would be there representing CEDIA and would often be a guest speaker about some topic, usually uh, talking about maybe certification or something. And I always felt like you were the uh, sort of the, face of CD there for a stretch. And I know there are so many people in, in your, on your staff, fellow staff members that were uh, doing essential work, but uh, for a while you, you were really out there and kind of the trusted um, advisor for anyone looking into CDS. So, and that's the way I looked at you as uh, a quotable quote as well. Um, so um, credit to you for kind of rising to, you know, be this guy who, everyone kind of turned to to say what what's the latest technology trend and um there you started with no real tech background and became that guy so really cool um well i i appreciate it i i am not gonna lie i miss it i, I miss being yeah. out there and and speaking in front of people and and doing those things and i will tell you just so you know so i can give props to one person olivia selke also made me look very good <laughs> in the uh in the media for sure so well she, she, she's a rock she, star yeah, we, we, I just uh, saw her yesterday, actually, um, in her new role in PR uh, yeah. outside of uh, Cedia. And uh, so that was that was a fun local connection again. Oh, for um, sure. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of fast forward to where you are today. Uh, what uh, kind of did you come into Oralex knowing about Oralex as far as the company history? Or what can you share about the background of the company? Sure. Um, and, and and then we can kind of get into where, where you saw opportunity and, and yeah. talk about current products and that sort well, of thing. Well, so I um, 
uh, I knew of Oralex because they're a local company. Uh, they really are. So Eric Smith, who is the owner and founder of the company, it really uh, kind of established the industry back in 1977. So, you know, in the early 2000s, when we were specking home theaters, those kind of things, we're always using Oralex panels uh, in all of the uh, boot camps back then. And even today, you get all the Oralex panels. Uh, you know, pro panels and those kind of things in there. Right. So I knew about the industry, but I, I actually probably didn't understand what the company's main market position was until after I, I got in there. And, you know, so um, I have a, a background in technology, but but I've also been in leadership roles for a long time. And the company, uh, their old CEO had stepped away and so they needed a new CEO. So I came in and I didn't start as a CEO because they just wanted to kind of feel me out a little bit, but it, it didn't take long to, to take that on. But okay. the, the company uh, w- was a lot more diverse uh, than, than what, I, what I realized for sure. So in, I, in what I, in what way in terms of just different markets and that sort yeah, of thing? Yeah. So, uh, well, a couple of things. So like I thought, that you know cd would be a really big part of their business and, oh. and it's it's maybe 10 percent, 15 percent of the business uh you know an infocom actually i'd probably say let's say 15 percent between infocom and cedia okay. uh, the main market is the recording studio side of things so whether mm-hmm. it's a, a commercial recording studio home studio and um uh the same could be said for uh how the products are sold. Like our, our biggest clients are Sweetwater and B&H. Um, but part of why I was brought in is to also recapture part of, you know, the CDM market and the Infocom market so that we can grow uh, ultimately together. But um, right. we're, we're more the music industry than, than I realized, which is awesome because uh, I'm such a music fan, but I couldn't play an instrument to save my life. And almost everybody here is like a, a budding rock star or a, like Kevin Booth, our director of sales, Counting Crows used to open up for his band. And oh. you know, it's just, it's just crazy. So, yeah. Well, uh, I do recall uh, many years ago and like you, you, you come to an area and you start to learn who's here and, and I found out Oralex was based here. And so I found a way to go visit. And uh, I think there were a big part of it was, providing design um assistance on projects and that sort of thing so you could you could send in specs for a room and say this is what i need um so that was that was a pretty cool service um and i did kind of realize at the time that there was a lot there from the musical you know the recording side but we 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 have uh four full-time guys just working on designs day and night uh well five so yeah, it's a it's a big part of, of what we do, and we never charge for it. It's just a, a free service. However, the demand is high, so it might take a couple of weeks. We're we're right. working on streamlining that process. But well, how much changes? Because I would think that acoustical products that the technology, the science of it's kind of figured out at this point. How much changes in terms of materials? I know you've only been there a couple of years, but is well, there a lot of product change, or is it really just working? with sell through and clients and that sort of thing. So the, there is some change in product. In fact, you'll, in fact, you'll see a, a new product coming out relatively soon, but 
but it, it's still a tweak. You know, like when you, uh -huh. when you look at it, when it comes to acoustics, uh, you have to think of it in kind of a couple sections. One is the acoustics, the treatment side of it. How does, how does sound sound inside a room? And then the other is the isolation part of it. How do you keep sound from coming in or going out? Okay. And the, the biggest differences for treatment, you know, it's either going to be absorption or diffusion. And there are some changes in material, slight, you know, uh, the, the average person would say, I, I don't understand the difference. Um, it, it, but it's also aesthetic. So that balance mm -hmm. between how it looks and how it performs. Um, and, it, uh, you know, the main two categories for absorption is fiberglass or foam. And so with the foam, which is really big in the recording studio side of things, a lot of it is the shape and the color and the thickness. Mm -hmm. um, I could really bore you to tears about the difference between a, a technical foam, which is like what we use, or commodity foam. It doesn't really matter. In general, physics are physics, uh, sound waves are sound waves, and you need something to uh, absorb the sound waves to make it sound better. And then for isolation, it's add mass or decouple. And so, so yeah, so there's new products. Like we, we launched a, you know, a, a couple new products last year. We've got like six new products this year. Uh, a couple of them I think are, could be groundbreaking, but um, you know, it's a, it's a crowded market and it's uh, you, you got to do things to make your stand, yourself stand out. But the one thing I will say is there is a metric crap ton of um, misinformation about acoustics. So, um, mm -hmm. so when I worked at CDI, I got to do market research for probably five, six years or so. I served as an SME helping craft questions. And then when Erica left, I got to take over the market research. Um, so I did, I've done a market study for Oralex for the last couple of years. And so we did a market study um, back in November and we had almost 2000, it was like 1,970 responses, which is really good, higher yeah. than pretty much any of the trade magazines or even CDO would get in their responses. And you could break it up into, we broke it up into professionals and enthusiasts. And there were so many people who rated themselves as a seven out of 10 in acoustics. And these are enthusiasts. People say, oh, I go to Google and I understand it. And, and I, like, I talked to like many of the high-end integrators that I've known that have dealt with, and all of us think we're probably a five or a six. Now there's acoustical engineers out there, but there's only one 10 that, you know, I would say is out there. And we had 40 people that ranked themselves as a 10 out of 10 on understanding acoustics. And it's just wrong. There's so much misinformation out there. It's absolutely heartbreaking, to be honest with you. So... So there's a lot of work to be done there on the education side and we're just getting people to pay attention and not think they know it all. Yeah. It's the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. Are you familiar with that? Which is the, sure. basically the philosophical understanding that uh, the less you understand of something, the more confident you are in your <laughs> ability to, to understand it. Right. And so you get all these people who've done, Oh, I've put some panels up on the wall. I understand it all. And it's like, you don't understand a thing. Yeah. Or, so, so that's, you know, some of the thing that we, we fight against for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, as far as changes go, I did, I, I have noticed, um, when, when I look at your website, how, of course there's the pro panels for home theater and there's all the recording studio stuff, but then 
um, the emphasis on podcasts now, which yeah. is near and dear to my heart. And uh, I have to, we, we talked at Cedia when we saw each other in September about how uh, I, I have a couple of pillows I throw on my desk to keep uh, some of the reflections down, but that's about as sophisticated as I've been able to get with treatment. But oh, I we're going to take care of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw some of these nice portable panels that you have, these desk yeah. uh, max uh, products and things that really, yeah. really looked cool. Actually, um, my uh, if you look right there, this is a um, this is one we did years ago, but this is a uh, uh, a um, uh, what we'd call a Progo. And uh, so, yeah, so portable stuff that you can move yeah. around, get out of the way. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So that's fun to be able to have those, those uh, adjustments made for, for yeah. new markets. Um, any, any challenges with supply chain or, or COVID that have really disrupted your ability to get products out? Or are you pretty isolated because of being domestic uh, U.S. or? So, so, I, so there's definitely issues. There's no doubt about it. So. Like we, uh, the overwhelming majority of products that we get, uh, that we manufacture are made in the U.S. The materials come from the U.S., but not everything. Uh, I mean, we've got a product that took us seven months to get sent over uh, from China. And the initial quote was $4,000 for a 20-foot seed container. And by the time it was said and done, it was $22,000 for us to ship it over. Oh, man. So the... Uh, the supply chain has been a little bit of an issue. What I don't think enough people are talking about is the increase in costs. And a lot of, I mean, we're, I, I mean, we've been around for 45 years, but we're still, when you look at, we're a small to medium business mm -hmm. and uh, there's lots of competition out there. So the inflation uh, we saw, so foam is probably about 40% of our, our business. And we've had nine price increases in foam since September of 2020, we we ate as much of that as we could to, you know, to not try to price people out. But that's really tough. And then you, you see that you go see containers going from uh, $4,000 to $22,000. So uh, the supply chain has been an issue. Um, like one of the products that we do, we went from a five day lead time to 120 day lead time. And it's a mm. big runner for us. Um, but in general, the harder challenge, the, the bigger challenges that we have faced are a inflationary pressures that we have faced. And then the, the difficulty in actually hiring, hiring and retaining um, uh, basically mostly production and warehouse work where we've, increased our wages by 50%. Uh, and and don't get me wrong, it's it, it's the right thing to do, um, but it's also hard because those, whether people realize, realize that or not, as a manufacturer, if you have an increase in the cost of your workforce, you are going to ultimately have to pass that cost off to your consumer. So we, we've absorbed as much as we can. We've only had two price increases, uh, you know, since since I've started but it's two more than I would have liked to have done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these, these are for sure challenges that a CEO hasn't had to face as much until recently. And here you are your first CEO role and they, you get an opportunity to feel that. Yeah. There's a eat. reason why I had a, uh, a cardiac stress test today. <laughs> Don't yeah, you need to take, you want me to test up. Uh, if you want to test my stress, I test positive. So. Okay. Yeah, I know. I've seen your health reports over the years, and I, I worried when I heard heard you needed to have that done. I hope you're uh, 
you're able uh, to I just turned that. 50, so it was just kind of. A, oh, it, a it was just a scheduled thing. Well, you've got something right. else on the on the docket if you just turned 50, which I didn't enjoy myself. Uh, it's uh, also. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. But, oh, yeah, it's the worst. Well, but, you know, ultimately, they're, they're good problems to have. But, um, you know, like if we look at the economy in general, so we say, oh, well, there's I, I just saw a report yesterday about you know, GDP grew by 5.4% uh, in 2021. Well, yeah, but that was almost all an increase in inflation. If you actually were to take the inflation rate out, you know, we probably saw a decline. And, yeah. you know, and then COVID is just, you know, trying to make sure that you are, especially when you work as a manufacturer, trying to keep your employees safe yeah. uh, and healthy. Like my absolute most productive, best employee is a 77-year-old woman who is our production manager. She just mm. loves to work. She works hard, but I'm scared of, you know, uh, what happens if she were to get sick. And, you sure. know, those are, these are all things that uh, are, are scary and difficult. And so whatever, I, well, I don't think until I became a CEO, I, I don't think I realized how small most of probably the CEDIA manufacturing companies are. They present as these really big persona companies, but they're but they're relatively small companies unless you get into like the the Snap AVs or Crestrons yeah. or you know hundred million, two hundred, three hundred billion dollar companies. But most of the companies that we would deal with and probably you deal with, they're relatively small companies and the pressures that have been put on them over the last couple of years are immense yeah yeah for sure that's that's a that's a good perspective to to keep in mind uh you know for everybody in this in this industry for sure hey um lightening uh the topic a bit and as yeah. just sort of a wrap-up i i wanted to point you in a direction that i think of something that i saw on apple plus uh do you watch anything on apple plus i do have you seen in it's so hard that interface i can't find things when I want them, but there's a, there's a series like a five episode or six episode series called watch the sound with Mark Ronson. Oh. Mark Ronson is the, is the music producer who uh, worked. He, he got famous for working with Amy Winehouse on her first big album. Sure. And he was a young guy then. And his stepdad was uh, in the band foreigner. So he was around a lot of rock stars growing up, but he's a pretty, pretty acclaimed producer these days. And he goes through um, the different things. Like he, he, he did a whole episode on reverb and yeah. that one I think is the one that you just need to, I think that might even be the first one or the se second one. And they go into an anechoic chamber and um, they, they show how they create natural reverb and they go to um, Capitol records, which I did not know this, but, that the early days of recording like at Capitol, they actually had um, rooms where they would feed the audio and have natural reverb in the room and then re-record it. <laughs> really? Yeah. So they take a dry recording of a sing someone singing and they pipe it into this room with microphones and speakers and have it bounce off the walls in there and get the natural echo the reverb and then re-record it <laughs> to make it sound bigger. That's which... pretty funny, but that doesn't surprise me because it's always easy to add things in. It's really hard to take them out, which is why. So like 
unlike a home theater where people put weight, they either don't treat it all or they put way too much treatment in, uh, you know, so your, your RT time should be between, uh, uh, 0.2 and 0.4, usually 0.3 is what we look for, but people over-treat it. You want some reflection in the room. In a recording studio, it's okay to have it a little bit drier in there and cleaner, and then you can add that distortion or whatever on top of it because it's really hard to pull it out, very easy to add it in. Yeah, so that that it, it's it doesn't cover all the ins and outs of acoustics, but it definitely kind of gets to some of that education that you are striving for. Um, and in a more entertaining way, perhaps, but, uh, Oh, I'll uh, watch it for sure. That's yeah. amazing. Well, you know, I, I, w- when we get past our nasty winter weather, I, I owe you a visit, um, uh, in person and, uh, definitely want to try out some of those tabletop, uh, recording, uh, podcast acoustics, oh, uh, products. Cool. We'll make that happen for sure. <laughs> we uh, we just moved, so um, yeah. uh, we officially. So part of the stress that we've had is moving a production facility. So Monday will actually be our last official day where we have the other building. So we're okay. we're in officially now. But yeah, if you come in, uh, you know, once it thaws a little bit, that'd be great. And, okay. Uh, maybe COVID has has gone down just a little bit, but right, we, right. We'd Get love past to have point. you for sure. Well, it, it, Dave, it's been great catching up briefly here, and we'll definitely talk more later. And uh, thanks for your time, and best of luck for 2022. Thanks for the opportunity. Dave Pedigo is CEO of Oralex Acoustics in Indianapolis, Indiana. You can learn more about Oralex at oralex.com. That wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell. Residential tech talk, lighting specialist, to residential tech talk,